Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. And we've got a great show today. We've got Linda Creeder, and she's a serial entrepreneur. She's worked with companies in clinical drug development, marketing, advertising, training, telecommunications, multimedia outreach, whoo, veteran caregiver advocacy, different <laughs> communication strategies. And in each industry, Linda gained invaluable perspective on the need to connect, engage, and learn. Today, as CEO of Wise Health and as an independent consultant, Linda uses her skills to enhance outreach, education, and engagement for a number of different populations. Linda's also a John Maxwell team certified coach, trainer, and speaker, and her emphasis on reinvention and a durable mindset Mm -hmm. speaks to resolute resiliency. And Linda, thank you so much for being with me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, when I saw Durable Mindset, I immediately thought about resilience because in 2020, I think everybody's resilience took a step down. I know mine did. My business was closed for five weeks. And one of the first things I did so that I could stay resilient was I did a mastermind class in resilience Mm -hmm. training. So to me, resilience and durable are the same things. What does durable mean to you? Durable came about because I've always been able to bounce back from adversity, what they would call post-traumatic growth. Some things have been huge, some things have been smaller, but I learned that there are often choices that you can make. And once you make positive choices to keep going, I actually registered the hashtag, we keep going, because I I work with a lot of people who are meeting hurdles along the way. And I've found not only does it help me when I help other people, but once you've lived through a number of things, with the pandemic especially, I said to people who were often very worried and high anxiety and honestly couldn't see further than the next step, that we have a 100% record of making it through And you're doing great. We can do hard things and we can keep on going. So uh, after a particularly difficult blow of my own, personally, we lost two people last year within a month who mattered a great deal to me, not from COVID, but deaths from other things. And um, my neighbor said to me, you're not just resilient, you're durable. So I took that up as part of my message about a durable mindset. It's an unusual word because you sometimes would use it to describe a bucket or something that is is a hard goods. But you know what? We are more durable than we know. And it takes just small choices along the way to get back up. Well, you know, you're so right because we're so much stronger than we think we are, whether that's on a physical level or an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And you know, when he, when I hear durable, I think about this old pair of boots that I have. Right. <laughs> and when the weather's awful, that's what I walk the dogs in. Oh, I have an old pair of L.L. Bean boots that I realized were 35 years old. But they're still good. They're, they're still fantastic. Every time we get snow, those are the boots I'm in. 
Well, you know, it, it's amazing because at the Brain Performance Center, we work with a lot of people with anxiety and depression and, and ADHD and, and all kinds of neurological disorders. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I have noticed in 2020 is that for those that had anxiety, it, it got so much worse. Mm-hmm. For those with depression, it got so much worse mm-hmm. because that level of stress it just, I've never known stress at that level before on every single aspect of your life. I think what resonated with me the most, and I did a a radio series on grief and loss, is that we were all experiencing vicarious trauma. We were all going through a pandemic, but we weren't all going through it with the same set of circumstances. And I, I, I likened it to some people were on a yacht going through this ocean, and some of us had pool noodles under our arms. And so the uncertainty, and, and also those who surround you, makes a big difference in how you view a mindset. I, I think that a lot of people really hunker down, and once you turn inward, you now lose some of your outward positive reinforcers, the support, uh, the laughter, the interaction. You had to really work at staying engaged with family and things, especially if you lived in certain parts of the country. So I agree with you. And I think that most of the malaise that you're still seeing now is from almost habits that were formed during a time period where we had no real certainty. And instead of finding new ways to cope, people maybe didn't have the right coping tools or the ones that worked best for them. Well, you know, what I'm seeing is that we're still in the grief process. Mm -hmm. We've, we've lost what's normal and we miss it. And, you know, we go through the, Oh, I'm, we're angry. We're sad. We're depressed Mm -hmm. because we've lost our sense of normal and we don't know what the new normal is going to be. I'm laughing because my definition of normal is that it is a setting on a dryer. That is all it is. Because I think that change comes whether we're ready for it or not. And the only thing that comes more than change is more change. And so unless we are aware that the patterns in life bring on more changes, I found it more an interesting time period to look at how people did respond because some people were terrified and fearful and let's face it we were getting a lot of misinformation I think that language matters a great deal I I particularly have a problem with social distancing I wish it were physical distancing doesn't sound so personal I had a real problem with lockdowns for how for, for I relate lockdowns to prisons, and then quarantine used to mean that you sequestered ill people, not the healthy. So the language itself was also fear-inducing, and so I tried my best to to talk to people. I had neighbors say to me, "Well, how am I supposed to feel?" And I said, well, how, how do you feel? What are your concerns? And once they began talking about it, they seemed to understand that 
reinforcing the fear was only making a deeper groove in their brains. Well, you know, it's interesting because fear plays a part in our, our everyday life. But mm-hmm. in 2020, it's interesting. One of my clients said, you know what fear is? And I said, absolutely. Forget everything and run. Said, oh, okay. <laughs> or, gotcha. right. There, there are so many different memes that came out about that sort of thing. And I, I think that my recommendations to people during the time period were, what do you love to do? What don't you have time to do normally? Go back to that or learn something. Do you recall in the early days of the pandemic when companies were putting on uh, deals? So, for example, I downloaded the Babbel app and got lifetime access to all their languages. And I started to work on a language that I you know, used to be able to speak and, and don't anymore. Um, it, I guess I'm a big lifelong learner. And so when I would suggest to people to, to, to find something that they love and do it at home, it helped them, but I know it helped me. I, I picked up an online exercise with Pilates and bar that I could do at home. And I hit 300 classes today in 53 weeks. So That's amazing. Well, it's, it's a mindset. It's saying I'm not going to take the only thing in life that I can never get back, which is time, and I'm not going to waste it. Well, and I think, you know, we, we share some similar thoughts because what I really recommended to people during this time is, you know what, you've got to focus on what you can control, mm-hmm. not what you can't control. Yes. Think about your Think about your personal values, because that determines how you you want to live your life. Mm -hmm. And think about what you want and what you're willing to give and pay attention to your feelings, your emotions, your intuition. Pay attention to all of that. You know, though, I think that some people have a real problem in our grief and loss series. We talked about this. Some people have a great deal of difficulty taking a look at their life, being self-aware. They, they may find things they don't like, don't we all? But it, it's a, it's a, it was a different intent at the time. It, it was taking a look at this is, yes, it's a great concern, but it was also an opportunity. And I'm, I'm not trying to be overly optimistic here, but we had choices we could make. And one of the things I know at my darkest times was I would always tell myself, you have a choice here. You can choose to do X today. Or have you considered doing Y? And which one makes you feel better? And I do think that's why people started eating comfort food and the pets were thrilled because everybody was home. I must admit, without my animals, I'm not certain how I would have made it through because I went through COVID solo. And that was very difficult. But again, you have choices each day. And I tried to exercise my choice because that gave me the, some control. But your personal values matter. If you are letting the fear rule the way you, you, you run your days, you start to go down a rabbit hole. 
and it's very difficult. So I do understand the anxiety, the uncertainty, the grief, the loss, real grief. We lost jobs. We lost people. We lost freedoms. We lost a lot of things. But we, we're, we're still here. So we gained knowing we could do hard things. And there's some goodness that came out of this. Mm-hmm. All the animal shelters right. were just about emptied. Because I know. People, I mean, to me, we that had nine was... COVID puppies in our community. <laughs> but <laughs> that just made it, you know, it's like, oh, that makes it almost worthwhile because, you know, we all need some, people need three things. They need something to do, something to love, and something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And having that puppy or that kitty at the end of the day waiting for you is certainly something to look forward to. I agree. I think it also changed our priorities. We learned what we needed and the things we could set aside. And so I don't think everyone's going to go back to where they were or even wants to go back to where they were because some things can be jettisoned, you know, throw off the boat because they aren't serving you. A lot of things we do are habitual but maybe that habit wasn't serving you as well as you thought, and you can get rid of it and replace it with a good one. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that most people that have come to the Brain Performance Center have realized how important, or I hope they've realized because we've certainly talked it a lot, and that's how important goal setting is. Mm-hmm. You've got to have goals, short-term goals and long-term goals. Because that ties into that something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, uh, studies show that I posted, I work with veterans and, and their caregivers. And I started to post beautiful pictures of, of a beach in the Caribbean, of a cozy mountain cabin, just anticipating that someday we'll be able to start to go do that again. Anticipation raises hopefulness and optimism and you you can start to share and and talk further about what you would like to do and it was hugely popular because it was basically mind travel but you can look and place yourself there we all have vivid imaginations and if you just took some time and pictured yourself on that beach swimming through that water slicing down that snowy mountain curled up with a cup of cocoa or a glass of wine in the mountain cabin. It didn't matter what it was that touched you. You could visualize it. So I tend to always go to utilize your five senses because that makes a richer experience, even if it was a little narrower experience than we now had, we used to have. But I I think that you're right. Something to do, a purpose, Something to love, which is essential. One thing we truly learned was we need people. Mm. Isn't that the truth? I'm, I am amazed. The five weeks that my business was shut down, I actually came to my office because nobody else was here. But really, I just needed to feel that sense. Okay, I'm going to come back. We're going to come back. We're going to have people around us. I mean, mm-hmm. couldn't go to the gym, couldn't go to church. 
The, and all the church of that. about killed me, I must admit, because I sing in the praise team. So I lost my Thursday nights and my Sunday. <laughs> and double hit right there. It was a double hit because that's that's a lot. And I, I agree with you. But I, you're also bringing up purpose. You know, when we wake up in the morning and we don't feel like we have purpose or somewhere to go or something to do, whether it was to sit down on a Zoom call um, I, or to work at something or to, to write the book you always thought you'd write, most people didn't do that. But it, in many ways, I think, stemmed from the fact that they, we didn't know when things would go back to more open living. And so some people started it off as a vacation. I know in our neighborhood, the college kids were home at first and thinking this was amazingly great. And then it started to drag on and it wasn't 15 days to stop the spread. And so I think that was a double whammy. So we didn't get just hit once, twice, or three times. It was, it was a constant barrage of information, misinformation, and it was relentless. Social media played a big role, too. So I, I often will say to people, you know, who are you surrounding yourself? Who are you following on social media? And because there, it was terrifying at certain periods of time. And well, it you're influenced by it. And it wasn't just the the virus coming at us. You know, mm -hmm. we had some huge things going on with Correct. racism. We had the political election. The mm -hmm. last year hit everybody, uh, hit some of their core values. Correct. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. So, when I, you know, you do a lot of work with, you said, veterans and their caregivers. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what their life experience has shared with them, because I know from being in ICU twice with brain injury, the more you just are more vulnerable from Very what life so. experience shares with you. Well, and that's that was a fun. Uh, I worked very assiduously during the pandemic because a lot of the caregivers felt uh, adrift, and yet there's the most resourceful. Um, active people and so they didn't need much they simply needed to know that there was a community to share things with um, because they couldn't go on appointments things moved to telehealth sort of the VA was very slow to do that even though the VA does about 40 percent of the visits are with telehealth but you mentioned traumatic brain injury um, and which is often coupled in soldiers with uh, PTSD. And so you had anxiety and exacerbations of things that were not normal. And then with the general population, you're looking at coping mechanisms that maybe they didn't use before. Maybe they'd stopped drinking. Now they started to drink more. Maybe they smoked more. Maybe they didn't exercise. So people's tools became more sparse as the time went on and you have to make an actual effort to go build your toolkit back up again, especially if you're in a higher risk category. Oh, you're so right. I know that 
you know, what I always encourage people to do or think about the activities that you have in your life. What provides energy? Mm-hmm. What do you get enthusiastic about? Mm-hmm. You know, those are the things. For me, I had never painted before in my life, and I decided that I was going to start painting. And oh, I, that's excellent. Well, and there, the one piece of art that I created is is on the wall outside of my office. I went ahead and framed it. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know that I'll paint again, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, right now, my new my new kick is I've decided I'm going to learn how to play golf. So, okay. And that takes a lot of time, so painting's on the back seat. It's but a lot of time. It is. But, you know, but anything that just gives you energy is something that, that you will benefit from. Well, it's funny. I used to ask people um, if they were truly stuck. I, I would sit and say, tell me something you're really good at. And they would begin to talk with more vibrancy in their voice, more energy, just as you said. And so it, it was, well, are you doing it now? And many times it was, you know, I'm not, but I could. And so to me, that's where the durable mindset comes in. What could I do that I love to do or get energy from or has purpose or makes me feel good about myself and helps other people? What could I do? And so that was a good way to be able to figure things out. And so it's funny. We still could engage. It just took more energy. And don't start me on Zoom fatigue. I, I, I think Zoom almost became an abuse. <laughs> well, the studies are showing what Zoom fatigue did to us all. But uh-huh. kind of going, going back to what you said, you know, I would challenge people when they would come in and I could I could tell from their body language, I could tell they didn't have to say a word, mm-hmm. that they were, they were in a bad spot. And I'd say, okay, come on in, have a seat. You want to play a game? And they'll kind Good of look you. at you like, well, okay, what's the game? And I'm like, it's called the best possible self. Does that sound like fun? You know, and they're like, okay. Yeah, sounds you great. Know? And I'm like, so, you know, let's envision, envision yourself in the imaginary future. Right. And everything has turned out exactly the, the way you wanted it. It couldn't be any better. So think about that. How do you feel? And, you know, sometimes if I could get them to close their eyes, I'd see a smile come on their play, their face. Right, and, right. and But you could just, just from my tone of voice, I could see that it didn't, it helped their mood, it helped their well-being. And some of us, when we're down, we don't, we don't see the best possible self. We don't even see a good self. We see someone that's miserable, that's unhappy, and you no optimism, none at all. You're so right, and and I think we've all spent time where the we're almost like a horse with blinkers on the sides, and then the dark clouds start to come on the top, and we curl into a ball. And and to be honest, there's nothing wrong with spending time, you know, focusing on that very briefly, and allowing it to pass, and then move through. But you're when you're talking about an extended period of time, it takes an intentional effort to to become your better self again. I'm I'm one for constantly reading. So I I would look up these things and I would get 
a nugget of an idea here and a nugget of an idea there. And I would find that something I could share with people. Did you know that when you say, I'm tired, your brain goes and looks at, oh, of course you're tired. Look what you're dealing with. But if you say, I'm feeling tired, your brain doesn't go looking for negative things. It's like, huh, I am feeling tired, but I'll go to bed earlier or I'll, you know, take a, a walk tonight or something like that. So little tiny things in your perspective can really change the outlook on your brain and its response. Oh, absolutely. And and you you have to remember the brain has one job and that job is to keep us alive. <laughs> Survival, Two, right. Two thirds of the cells in the right hemisphere are constantly scanning for danger and for threat. And research shows every day we have three times more positive events than negative. But what do we remember? The negative. The brain holds on to that negative. And yes. because it is trying to make sure we survive and that we're not in danger and we're not threat. But we've got to think about how do we take that negative and how do we practice positive psychology? And it is work. I mean, and I ask my clients at the end of every day, list three good things. Mm-hmm. Gratitude that have happened. journal. Right. But, you know, and, but, well, nothing really good happened. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop that. But what they're looking for, they're looking for these grandiose, you know, these really big things. Mm-mm. And no, you know, you probably aren't going to have three of uh, things like that. But did you get a really nice email from someone? Did someone down the hall come by and stick their head in and say, hey, I saw you walk by. Did you get a haircut? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's those little bitty things that really can change our whole mindset. And, and you're right, a gratitude journal. And I use that often. And there are many days that maybe two or three days in a row, I'm grateful for the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That just mm-hmm. means. I'm really, really grateful for those dogs. I'm really, really grateful, you know, and I think that's what people need to understand is that you're not looking for the one thing that's just, you know, going to make life so much better because it's all the little things that's going to make life so much better. It's always the little things, the things that don't cost money, the things, frankly, we miss things like hugs. And things that you couldn't have. And I'm a hugger. And so I think that you you make so many points. I know we're coming up on a break, so I don't want to go into them. But I think you're absolutely right. You know, we were dealing with an awful lot of input with fewer outlets to to let it out. We were. and, And we've all figured out that in some way we have found that we can't, we can get through this. Mm-hmm. We, and you know, I told people, you don't, don't try to hide from it. You got to lean into it. Mm-hmm. You got to lean into it. If you think you're going to walk through it, you've got to lean into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things and we'll, we'll talk more about this when we come back from break, but if you can identify one thing that you can do every day to put a smile on your face, you're a step ahead. Mm-hmm. We'll be back. 
after these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. When I was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hogamadog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back, and what we want to do in the second part of the show is, you know, think about how we've got to kind of change our mindset. And instead of focusing on the negative, because the brain does plenty of hard work on that for us, we've got to start to to look for the positive, because we always find what we're looking for. Isn't that the truth? Um, I happen to love the book, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor. And he has a quote in there where he says, scanning the world for negativity comes at a great cost because no matter what you're looking for you will find it so if you're looking for negative things you you will absolutely find it especially on social media or in the news or or anything like that but if you take a step back and don't dwell on the negativity and again you said you know find three things that made you smile or, or were happy, you know, did, uh, frankly, the pets are the most wonderful thing ever. Um, and so just find something that makes it positive. So negativity can be very contagious. I'm also very conscious of people who surround themselves with negative people. And so I had a neighbor who during the pandemic was really surrounding himself with terribly negative people. And I said, you know, if you're surrounded, if if you're affected by the five people you're around the most, then you're around A, B, C, D, and me. 
I said, so I, I'm the only one who makes you laugh. The other four people drain you. So perhaps now is the time to put one or two, if you're able, at arm's length on that and seek out those who have maybe different viewpoints than you but are interesting and are friends because it's contagious. And, and it, it leads to uh, the second thing that is something I've learned through Dr. Daniel Amen. I'm sure you know him as well. Absolutely. Which is um, ants, automatic yep. negative thoughts. So we especially went through a couple of periods last in 2020 where some people could not say anything positive about what was going on at all. And instead of telling them to just stop it, I remember saying, you know, it's possible. I'm not a clinician, but you may have ants. <laughs> and they, they would look at me like, I have what? I'm like, you may have ants. We all have ants. We all have ants. Maybe. And so if your default is to automatic negative thoughts, you're going to make yourself so much more miserable, so many layers of miserable. So it's a good thing to recognize if you need to get some ant traps. Well, absolutely, because we all have them. I mean, I've got my really good friends, mm -hmm. the shoulds and the musts. Oh, yes. And you should do this. Then when I don't do it, they bring their two really good friends, shame and blame. Well, shame uh -huh. on you, Lee. No wonder it's not going to happen. You didn't do what you were supposed to. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me time, but I don't have the shoulds anymore. Mm -hmm. I have the coulds. I could do that. Okay. If you did that, well, this would happen. Well, I like that. This would happen. And I don't know. And this would happen. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. So, we all have to just acknowledge we have those those ants. I mean, if you're a perfectionist, then you've got some all or nothing thinking going on. You know, you're absolutely right. And I, I think you made another point earlier that I'm going to echo. I think we don't celebrate the small wins. I think we are on to the next thing and we're negative. Well, I took a walk today. Well, good. I'm glad you took a walk. But I should have run. Well, there's a should and also self-competition. And yet, did you walk? Did you get fresh air? Did you get out of the house? Well, I should have cleaned the house today. But you were in the garden instead, which shows that it grounds you. You're around living things. Getting your hands in the soil makes you feel good. And so celebrating the small wins and not comparing yourself, that's the social media compare and despair thing. Yeah. And I, I just have issues with that. So I think we often set lofty goals. Right now I'm seeing people set lofty goals. I have the quarantine 19 and so I'm going to lose 25 pounds. Well, it took you 14 months to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. And then they build in disappointments. So I'm a big believer in one small success leads to the next, to the next, to the next. And that you can start to feel great pride in small successes. And I guarantee you that a lot of people don't even recognize some of their successes. Well, and I think that's because it starts with setting expectations. Mm -hmm. You've got to set realistic expectations. 
And if you don't, if they're unrealistic, you don't achieve them. And therefore, that just, you know, that adds to the negative thinking. One of the things I really encourage people to do is, you know, I'll say, you know, you, you need to look at the bright side of the situation. Well, you know, I was at work and... I, I know I did something wrong. Then I heard my coworker criticize me and, and then they just go down that rabbit hole. You know, I'm like, <laughs> stop, stop right there. Instead of thinking about what you did wrong, think about what you could do differently next time. And, you know, look for the, I always call it, look for the silver lining in the cloud. And it, Sometimes. You're much nicer than I am. When when that when I when I start to hear the the woe is me piece, etc., I just listen and I ask questions. And again, I'm not a clinician. I'm just a good friend to have. I'm very loyal, and I will, you know, tell you the truth. And I I find that I just would say, and and how, how's that working for you? <laughs> and, and the first thing they say is, well, it's of all not. That, they're like, well, I guess it's not. And so, as a coach, I I know that the answers are all within. And so, if you listen and ask the questions, they they come to the conclusion on their own. And and it's also enlightening to us because we have to talk to ourselves as coaches half the time. I had to put a note on my door that said, "No more chocolate." Um, I mean, on my bathroom mirror, "No more chocolate malt balls." Don't even bring them in the house because it was a weakness. I can share that weakness with you. <laughs> <laughs> and they're dark chocolate and they're so yummy. Oh, so come from nuts.com. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it, it was delivered to your house. So, you know, the, you had to give yourself a treat at some point. So we all fall into this, but so then you limit it. Um, but I do find that I, I would let people talk. And I did find a lot of my friends fell back on very bad habits and, and I, I would listen and say, you know, you used to tell me that made you feel badly when you did that. Has that changed? And and here's the thing that I think most people don't notice. They don't notice their own patterns. And sometimes we cannot see our own patterns. Me, I'm super critical about my patterns. But I think a lot of people do not. And sometimes they're too close to it. So I think you're right, yeah. Do you think? I mean, because patterns... Once they identify it, then you go, ah. Well, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of getting people to journal. Mm -hmm. If you can get them to do that, they'll see that pattern. They'll see, you know, they'll they'll see it evolve. (laughs) But at least it's there and you and you can talk to them about it. I, I think that we all have seasons. And some seasons are growing seasons, and some seasons are quiet, dormant seasons. And so some people maybe needed a dormant season. They were running at a million miles an hour in a position they did not care for or that had too many pressures. It allowed um, a, a reset, again, of those priorities at some point. And so in many ways, I know families were talking about having a wonderful time being able to have dinner together again. There weren't the sports teams. There wasn't the clubs after school. And so some good things came out of this too. And that's durable. The durable mindset comes from recognizing what works for you 
and to take away the things that don't serve you well. And we, we all sort of need to take an inventory on that on a regular basis to, to say, huh, I'm falling into that. I, I often ask people, what is the thing you don't like to do the most at home? What is yours, Lee? Um, the thing I don't like to do the most, I hate to say this, is probably clean. Well, I can't stand after I folded, I've washed the clothes, I've folded the clothes, but I have such difficulty putting them away. So that that's one of my things that I worked on because I said, there's this other theory that I use with my caregivers called Ohio. Only handle it once. It's an acronym. So now I wash, I fold, I carry to where it belongs, and then I put it away right away. And it's made my life so. It's the little things, isn't it? It's just and the you have little to things. Yourself sometimes. So I find myself saying out loud, Ohio, go do that now the other thing i really dislike is emptying the dishwasher but i do my my one friend though i asked her the same question i said what is the one thing you just don't like to do she said i really hate to wash my hair <laughs> oh my god long thick hair so i knew where she was coming from of course she washes her hair but i just laughed because i thought well my clothes could sit there but hair has to be washed so i'm glad that my thing could be postponed hers can't no she has <laughs> she has no choice in that no and it's like but it's you funny. Know, that's, that's what most of us think is that we have we don't have a choice and we do have a choice i choose not to not to run that vacuum cleaner you know right. or i choose to do it Roomba. and so if Roomba could do the thing that that was plenty i didn't care what was in the corners Enough was done, you know, so, but is that part of that being durable or, I mean, because people, when I talk resilience to people, they're like, well, do I need a resilience plan? Maybe someone does, but maybe they do, but I, I find it's just small little steps that add up. There's also that slight edge philosophy, things that are easy to do, but just as easy not to do. So if you choose to do them, such as Ohio, you walk in the door, you take off your coat, you don't put it on the banister, you go hang it up. It's just as easy to hang it on the banister. But if you take the two seconds to, to organize your life a little bit better, it helped. You know that during the pandemic, many people were cleaning out closets and basements and ridding themselves of clutter. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. So, you know, when when I look back, certainly the painting that I did, I have pride in. That gave me a great bit of joy. I also, I was one of those closet cleaners. Um, and that, that gave me joy. And when I look back, it's hard to not think about, oh, the five weeks that you were closed and, you know, you couldn't go to the gym because the gym is a workout is my stress management and you couldn't go. You couldn't go to church. And I'm sorry, but but online church just never no. touched me the way going the to fellowship does. does. No, I, I agree. 
Yeah. So it's easy to 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 remember what we had to give up mm-hmm. instead of think about what we gained. Well, see, I think we gained a lot. I think we gained a perspective of being able to accomplish things, a perspective of handling change after change after change, a perspective of being able to filter information as it came to us, uh, choices that some people could make about what they were going to do next. Not everybody has that luxury, but some people did. And I think we also know that things don't go, nor I'm going to say it again, normal is a setting on a dryer. And so the reason I shy away from new normal is because that's what soldiers went through after the surge in 2003 to 2008 and then again in 11. And so I don't use it because I, I, it's just a term that they really did not care for. And I understand. So I tend to use a new routine or, or just the way it is now. And so the way it is now is different. And I go back to it's, it's a season, but it's a season of learning, a real season of learning. Some things you wish you didn't have to learn, but if you're durable, you know you need to walk through that mud puddle to get to the other side. And I'm not minimizing what we've gone through. Some people went through horrible things. My son is an emergency room um, paramedic and he watched entire families die. And it was very traumatizing, which is a traumatizing enough job as it is. But you learn to cope and you learn to find the things that allow you to de-stress and it turned out to be pets, the outdoors, exercise, um, you know, staying in contact with family and friends. And he lives with a lovely woman. And so we learned how to support one another in the ways we needed to be supported, which I think is incredible when you stop to think about it, because it was sort of engagement arrested. But we did it. Well, we did. And I think that I know for myself, I had a little every, I checked in with myself every day and Hey Lee, how you doing today? You know, Hey, where's your friend? Where's joy? You know, (laughs) well, I don't know. She's not here. Um, But just, you know, taking the time to stop and check in with myself and ask, how are you doing? Because then you really realize it's so easy to just, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. And just keep going. So I really encourage people to do that every day. Just how's your day going, Lee? You know? Well, and I think also check in with your friends. Uh, I learned a marvelous lesson from one of my families who, where a terrible traumatic brain injury took place during combat. And the family said, we are on a no negativity diet. So they purposely watched YouTube videos. I don't know if you ever discovered the Holderness family during this pandemic. No. Oh, my gosh. Look them up. They took standard songs and they sang them with different words. And they are hilarious. 
And there's something about physically laughing that raises all the good hormones and helps you to sleep and raises your immune system. And all of these things are very, very important. Yes, take your vitamin D, you know, your quercetin, you know, these things that you were supposed to take to help build immunity, but also laughter heals. And so I highly recommend them. They are hilarious. This is a YouTube channel on their own, and they're still making them, but now they're doing it on the reentry into public life, you know, having to take off the pajama pants and put on jeans. Um, what was the comment I saw? Um, my dress-up clothes really missed me because they're hugging me very tightly. <laughs> So there were some good things that came out of this. And it, those are the things that got passed around in my circles. And I'm so grateful because it was funny. When I'm, I'm doing posts for social media for the groups that I am leading, I make sure I have, I, I call it hump day humor. So on Wednesdays, I have something humorous that went up. And I will tell you, there were months where you could not find anything funny. And I had to truly search for it uh, that wasn't polarizing or silly or whatever. But you can find it. It's there. And it's not that hard to find, is it? It was for a couple months. But then, then people's resilience kicked in. And they started to make fun of what we were living through. And that was marvelous. I still do the Wednesdays uh, healing humor. I love that. I really do because, I mean, it's just like when we exercise, that releases endorphins. When we laugh, that releases endorphins. All of those things mm -hmm. make our brain and, and our body, you know, and that whole brain-body-spiritual connection is so important. Well, and you need physical fitness to help your mental health. So physical health is tied to mental health. I'll, I'll give you one funny one that you'll remember the, the camel in the, Mike, 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 what day is it? There was a version um, for, for hump day for the camel, right? I think it's a Geico commercial. And instead it was like, what day is it? I have no idea what day it is. And it was so true because all the days were blurring together. But that drew everybody together because it was hilariously funny. And, you know, something to share, something to laugh about. Mm -hmm. That's a memory and good memories. And I think, you know, you talk about when I say memory, I think about so many people told me for in that very first month, I don't remember, one day right. just ran into another day and, and I just don't remember. And so if you can just re well, remember the day that we mm -hmm. laughed at each other. Mm -hmm. Well, there's you just know, something therapeutic about laughing. It is. Or silly antics with pets. I, I mean, it doesn't, I'm afraid I, I'm amused quite easily. And so if I'm looking for the positive, the, the amusing, the silly, there's a lot of silliness that goes on in our lives that we may not be recognizing. But if you're searching for it, you will find it. You always do. Mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad, mm -hmm. we've got just a few minutes left. And, you know, when I think about the durable, I think, you know, are there certain characteristics that durable people have? Yes. Durable people generally have grit. 
They have been through things and come out the other side. They belong in the, when you're going through hell, keep on going club. They have friends who understand or at least are aware of having gone through things and who, who support you going through it. But those who have a durable mindset know that there's always good days ahead, that there's always something to look forward to, and that if there isn't something to look forward to, I need to find something that is going to have me anticipatory because that's important. Finally, I, I, I often find, and I know I do my advocacy for veterans because helping other people helps me. It gets me outside of my head. Have you ever felt I need to get outside of my head? It's too gnarly in here. And then you go do something for someone else and it can be small, but you feel better. And that becomes an accomplishment that you then write that night because you're grateful that it occurred to you to do it. Well, you know, we all, uh, last week I did a, sh- a radio show where we talked about dance, dance movement therapy. Mm-hmm. And Bobby, she would stand on the stage and yell this, get out of your head. It's and true. actually, that's where the name for this radio show, In Your Head, came mm-hmm. from. Oh, is it really? It really is. Because, you know, I think she's talking to me. She's right. talking to me. She was talking that's to That's great. Everybody. Uh, but th- I think we all get in our head. Mm-hmm. And we're our own worst enemies. We can't see the forest for the trees. And it goes back to something we touched on earlier. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you can control. That is... That's where the answer lies. Well, it's funny because I actually never aim to control anything. Uh, And there are reasons for that. But what I find that if durable people are also adaptable people and they, they adapt and overcome, they're flexible. In the military, they call it Semper Gumby, always flexible. And if you can adapt to the fact that I have no idea what's going to come out of left field next and whatever it is, I'll be able to manage it because I have enough life experiences at this point to apply learned lessons from before. Then I, I think you stop dreading change. I think, you know, I think you're right. And I think you have a, an awful lot of good advice to share. And we mentioned when I did the intro, you're interest, you don't have an industry specific. You've touched them all. <laughs> so if people want to learn more about you or if they, where would they find you and how would they find you? Well, you can just go to lindacrater.com, which is L-I-N-D-A-K-R-E-T-E-R.com. Or you can go to wisehealth.com. And either one will take you to multiple places where the multiple industries are uh, involved. But it's also a matter of outreach and just engaging with others. And so that's, that is my, um, my we, we have to maximize our giftedness. And I think I have a gift in connecting with other people. And I'm going to use it as long as it is embraced. Well, and I encourage everybody to check those websites out. I know you've got a blog because I checked it out. And, and I, <laughs> I, I just talked about it. incivility in the last one, as I recall. 
And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I think, you know, you talk about the magic of durability and there's some good advice that I think everybody would enjoy. Linda, I cannot thank you enough for being with me today. And I know that just next time somebody hears the word durable, I know (laughs) next time I hear the word durable, I'm going to think differently about it. Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio.